a few sleep cycles pass for Agent Rowan. The lights seem to get progressively lighter throughout the day, and when it's time for sleep, the lamps dim to a bare minimum. Every other day, a guard takes you into the workout room. The room has a 200 meter rubber track around the perimeter and various weightlifting machines in the center. Agent Rowan, you are always alone in here. I'm not much of a lifter, personally, so I don't bother with those machines. But the track is pretty nice, for all that it's a million miles underground. I miss the feeling of fresh air on my face, the cool morning breeze cooling the sweat. This reminds me a little more of the runs I had with Quinn in Yuma, a press of air pressing against me as I push my muscles to the point of collapse. There's no pacing myself, here. When I run, I'm trying to leave the memories behind. I've been dreaming a lot the last... Fuck, who even knows how long at this point? Echoes of sound and smell and memory, leaving me more tired when I wake than I was when I crawled into bed. The mysterious stone-faced guard appears at the door and motions for you to follow. He hands you a fresh towel. After a hot shower, there is a knock on the door to your room. You prepare yourself to meet the G-Man and pick up where you left off. The lighting in the interrogation room seems a little bit softer, less intrusive today. A cup of steaming coffee sits waiting for you on your side of the table. A French cruller donut sits on a paper napkin in front of you. An old-fashioned sour cream, half-eaten, is in front of the G-Man. He stands as you enter. I hope you didn't mind. It smelled so good and I couldn't resist. I can't help but laugh a little at that, sinking into the chair opposite him with a wince. I hadn't properly cooled down after my run, and my muscles are very noisy at the moment. Can't say as I blame you, I reply, wrapping my hands around the mug of coffee. After this bit of a reprieve, the G-Man gets back to business. Project Covenant, there's an important history there. This was the genesis of Delta Green. Every operation since can be traced back to that moment. And here, you and your team are directly dealing with the aftermath nearly 100 years later. I sip my coffee, giving myself a moment to consider my words. Yes. We learned some of that weighty history over the course of this particular mission. Coming into it, of course, we had no idea. I smile wryly. There isn't exactly a textbook given to new agents when they get started. But it informed some of what we did going forward, and contextualized some... well, some personal history. You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast. When we last left our agents, they were huddled up in Rowan's room, discussing what to do next and what to research. There were a lot of questions that were created with their findings, but they also had found a lot of answers. They asked about Project Covenant, and then something about undersea creatures like mermaids. So with that, we joined them still back in their room discussing the things that they want to look for and look up. So agents... You are all in the room. It's getting late, and you all have full Wi-Fi signal, your smartphones in hand, as well as any laptops. What is it that we're looking for? River, you want to take it away? Well, I've been on this ankle for a while. I was actually thinking I'd go back and research in my room. Uh, who's got the big bottle of ibuprofen? 
If I don't have it, Rooster probably does. <laughs> I reach into my cargo pocket. Okay, so River will head back to his room and elevate his ankle and take some pills and get on the laptop. Uh, first thing he's going to do is try to find anything on Project Covenant. Okay. So I'm going to have you do one roll for all of these, simply because I kind of want to get most, a lot of the rolling kind of pushed to the side. So go ahead and give me a, I mean, computer science could work. Criminology could work. I don't have computer science, but I have a 50 in criminology. Okay. Do you have history? You've got a base in history, right? Yeah, I've got 10 history. Okay. So go ahead and give me a criminology roll. 44. All right. Hey, that's a critical success. Okay. So we like 44. Okay, so you're looking for Project Covenant. Now, you're just looking online through like the basic information, and you don't find a whole lot about Project Covenant. You see a mention of it in one spot with a group called ONI. ONI stands for Office of Naval Intelligence. Those with folklore or know about folklore also know that ONI is Oni, and Oni is a form of a Japanese demon. So that's not ominous at all. You find a, a notice about ONI there. But other than that, it's really hard for you to find anything on that. One page you go to pulls up a form. You're able to find it through, you know, I think it might be Dig or Reddit. And uh, you find that link. And as soon as the link pops up and you start to browse the page, a green triangle appears and then the page goes blank. Oh, they didn't give me the code for the clearance. But you do know people in that organization that is a Delta and Green. So you might want to call them or have a contact call them to see if you could find out more. Yeah, so I'll make, I'll make a note of where I saw that. Okay. You copy down the web address. You tried to save basically the breadcrumbs on how to get there. What were the other things that you were looking for? I want to look at the history of the medical annex. Anything to do with the dates that we were looking at, which is December 30th, 1929, and March 30th, 1947. Okay. It takes a little bit of time, and you start to go down a rabbit hole. And you find some information from the local Yuma newspaper that's been put to microfiche, so you're scanning a few items. It's going to take you a little bit of time. So let's put that on hold just for a moment, because I've got a bit of information for you, and let's see what everybody else is doing just yet. So what about everybody else? What time is it when we all kind of wrapped up our conversation in Roman's room? It's about midnight. Oh, getting late for those of us who wake up early. Yeah. Is Quinn going to look up anything? Is Quinn going to just kind of just decompress because there was a lot going on that last day? Yeah, she does have things that she wants to research. But again, because her routine is very morning focused, she is probably going to wait until after her morning run because she doesn't want to be up till one, two in the morning. Okay. You know, going down a rabbit hole of research. Sounds good. You do get a text message from Sammy wishing you a happy birthday. She wishes that you were closer, but she hopes that you had a good day, even though she's a little bit late. She'll make a note to return that at an, a reasonable time. <laughs> so she'll probably take a long shower, hot shower, just to wash the very long day off of her and just make a note of things she wants to do first thing in the morning. Okay. Agent Rowan? I do want to take the video that I got from the nanny cam and run it through my facial recognition software that I have on my laptop because we haven't heard anything from the Yuma PD and I don't want to wait on this. Okay. Let's see how well... 
you're able to get that going. So give me a computer science roll on that. Can do. Ooh, ought four. Nice. It takes a bit of time because it's cycling through a lot of databases. After about 20 minute wait, it does populate a picture on Facebook for someone. Now, the problem is, is that person is not the name of the profile. So it doesn't give you the person's name, but they're in the picture with someone else. The name of the profile is Eric Allen Raven, and their address is in Mustang, Arizona. It says that they are 25 years old, but looking at them, you could tell that they've obviously lied about their age. It looks like they're teenagers. Pity I was catatonic when we left Mustang. I suspect those were the ones watching us. Quite possibly. Okay, so I'll make a note of Eric Allen Raven's address and put that on the list of things to go and look up because if those two are connected, I want to trace that down sooner rather than later. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time tonight researching because my brain is just everywhere. So much like Quinn, I'm going to take a long hot shower just to wash all of that off of me and then come back out into my room. I turn most of the lights off so I can take my glasses off and relax and put the deadbolt and the chain on to feel a little bit extra, a little bit extra safe. And then I go to my bag and pull out one of those big like jar candles that you can get at like Michael's. Ooh, what smell? What flavor? Rowan is the kind of person who will go to Michael's after Christmas in particular and get the big jar candles that have the, the Christmassy scents. So this one in particular is gingerbread because when she saw that cults were involved in this particular mission, she was like, I may need a little bit of extra help grounding myself. So she lights it and puts it on the corner of the little dresser and sits down and just starts breathing, going through the breathing exercises that she's learned from her therapist and grounding herself, remembering everything that happened today and being like, okay, it was bad. It was really bad but I made it through. And remembering the promise that I made to the people who didn't survive the cult's activities and the promise that I made myself to root out cults wherever I could find them and just finding ways to basically sink my roots down deep into the ground, even if it's desert ground, just sinking down and being like, okay, I am going to make it through this and I am going to make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else. And just take that time for about a half hour, just breathing, breathing in the smell of the gingerbread because it reminds me of my family. We always do gingerbread around Christmas and chase each other around the kitchen, smearing things on each other's faces. And it's good memories. It's a pleasant place to be. You do find a good amount of comfort in doing that. You're able to ground yourself. Sleep comes to you quicker than you expect. And it's a peaceful sleep. After everything you would expect that it would not be peaceful. It would be a horrible night, but no, it's peaceful and you get a good night's rest. Rooster, it's right after midnight. You had an idea of maybe texting Ortega? Yeah, well, once I realized that we're actually splitting up since people just started doing things without mentioning we're done for the night, I'm going to excuse myself from Rowan's room, figuring she doesn't want me around there. In my room, do I have a balcony? There is a balcony. It's about two steps of a balcony. It's 104 degrees outside. But it's a balcony. I can close it and light up one of those sweet Brazilian unfiltered cigarettes. Pull out my phone, go to write a message to the one named Cappy, and start going, I hope you're having a good time with that dog of yours, with, you know, a bunch of misspellings and stuff. Because I had to rely on 
the scientist to shoot and he broke his ankle. And then I delete everything because I'm not actually going to drunk text Rory, even though I'm not drunk. But I am going to pull up the contact that says Prof. And with just as many creative misspellings, I'm going to go, Hey Prof, you up? After a few moments, you get a reply. Yeah, what's up? Replying, texting again. Damn, you must really like this young stud. No comment to booty call from the hot dog. Couldn't say earlier, but I'm here on business for that murder. Did you know Private Ryan? That went from potentially fun to none really quick. Yeah, Private Ryan was a rifleman in my squad. Good kid. You would have liked him. Fuck. You know him well? How's his death tied to a PMC? Pretty well. Uh, he and his lady would come out to shindigs and stuff. It's complicated. I'm on a task force. Miss Capitals. No period. Can we all talk tomorrow? We'll be on base. Def, uh, I'll be in building redacted. Sweet, I'll text you. One letter U. One more. You know Sergeant Sodi? She's a beast. She puts a bunch of guys to shame. She maxes PFT. Total gym rat. You're not her type hot dog. We'll see. Stick out a tongue face. Just colon P no emoji. He doesn't know how to do that. Catch you tomorrow. Oh, this is going to be good. I want to see this. Semper Fi. Oorah, go teach your idiot boyfriend or BF something new, prof. And that kind of ends that conversation. Are you going to do anything else, Rooster? Well, the smart people are doing the research. I'm not going to be much help with that. So I'm going to finish the cigarette, chuck it over the edge, go inside, look around, realize I have nothing to do with myself. But this is a more comfortable place than my own apartment, so I'm going to raid the minibar, because it's expensed. Get a bunch of chocolate, and look at the white wine, and ditch that, take out the sodas, and just sort of crash out playing mindless games on my phone. The adrenaline dump that you had today is starting to wear off as well. You fight sleep like babies fight sleep. But it just kind of happens. And like rooster sleep, this is not a peaceful sleep. It's more of passing out. It's never peaceful sleep for rooster. And outside, a native Arizonan sees a flying cigarette, looks up, cringes, closes his eyes, walks over, stomps on it, because wildfires are bad. Also, the player is a Californian. Don't do that shit. Yes. So, River, I held off for you while everybody else went to bed, because you're going to be up late. You've got a lot of information. The Navy Medicine Annex was purchased in 1929. The site was purchased as an annex to Fly Field, which was a Navy airfield, and it was called Yuma Yucca Lot 2. Y-Y-I-I on surveyor maps. It's now part of the Yuma Corps Air Station, but it's not currently active. Obviously, you were there. You fell down one of the staircases. You find in the Yuma Sun, a newspaper article from December 30th, 1929, it states that the government moved five truckloads of prisoners to fly field. They put up a perimeter around the outside and guard towers, but no other articles can be found. That's it. They moved people in December 30th, 1929. January 12th, 29, it was officially opened up, had a guard booth, parking lot, pavilion, and cafeteria. It had 35 doctors and over 120 staff. The state record has 254 facility employees between 1930 and 1947, and just by chance, you're able to cross-reference them with that amazing role, and you found out that almost every person on the list is dead except for three of them. 
One of them lives in Yuma, a fellow named Peter Delgado, a woman in Bennington, Vermont named Ophelia Winters, and a woman in Albuquerque, New Mexico named Luisa Perez. Now, Navy records, because you dug deep, Navy records indicate that the annex was used to treat tuberculosis, TB, and it would house patients for an extended period of time, though none of the patient names are recorded, just numbers. And then on April 25th of 1938, an escaped patient was circulated in Yuma, a photo uh, was circulated of the patient in, in Yuma, and his name is Albert Marsh. The annex itself was closed in 1947, and the medicine annex was not given a reason why it was closed down to the public, and several newspaper articles state that there was a shift of research locations into New Mexico. For the record, I have included a handout into our handouts chat for easy reference for everyone. You found a lot. Yeah, well, I got a good roll. So River is digging into this and has totally lost track of the time. I don't suppose they had Albert Marsh's patient number. Not offhand. You're not able to find that there. Well, I might have records for that on the base. Or maybe contact one of the surviving people. I Granted, they might be old, though. They may not know. That's true. They're certainly old. Just as a whim, River's going to do one last search before he okay. goes to sleep. He's going to search out forums that discuss cryptozoology and see if anybody's reporting weird creatures in this area recently. So in this area, you see a lot of Yayona, the white woman, tales for you know strange or supernatural occurrences, chupacabra, lots of chupacabra stories. And Yuma in particular is just filled with chupacabra stories. You do see one that does strike an interest is that in the past six or seven years, there's been a lot of folks saying, well, not a lot, meaning three, three separate attacks of a chupacabra in the city or the town of Mustang. And it's generally smaller animals. And one of the people that suffered or was tracking the chupacabra attack tracked it to that old U-shaped building that's covered in graffiti on the inside. One of the next comments underneath it said, buddy, don't throw up any bombs on the murals, but you can graffiti anywhere else. Bad shit. Somebody else responded, you wouldn't believe the history on that place. And then it kind of dies as a thread about, you know, about four years ago. Okay. Well, that is... So So, just to clarify, the chupacabra attacks were on small animals? Yes. Okay. The reason, and you think the reason why is because they found animal bones and missing pets and animal bones like scattered or, or scattered, gathered and scattered, scattered. That's going to be a new word. I'm <laughs> making it up. So be it. Put it in the dictionary. It's mine. A gathered and scattered all around throughout the area. I think River's going to write scattered in his notes because he's so sleepy. <laughs> All right. So you look over at the clock and it says 4.03. Well, I think I better uh, try to get a little bit of sleep. Okay. What time are you setting your alarm for? Are you going to set an alarm? Do you already have an alarm set up on your phone or? There's the usual one. Don't we arrange a time to meet? We usually meet at about 9 a.m. Oh, I'll set an alarm for 7.30. Okay. Early birds. You both wake up, both Quinn and Rowan. You open up the doors to your hotel rooms around the same time within moments of each other, dressed in running gear. It's just before dawn. Quinn is taken aback because, you know, her first morning, she didn't see anyone on her way out. And she notices she has a fellow runner in the midst and kind of gives a nod. Morning. 
Good morning. I didn't know you ran. Oh, yes. Every morning. And it's a little easier. still uh, used to Eastern time, so doesn't feel quite so early as, as usual. That's fair. I'm not usually up quite this early, but it was it was starting to get hot yesterday when I was running, so I decided to try a little bit earlier. And now I find you. You want to you run together? Let's go. Cool. So you head out, and it's not too hot. Right now, it's roughly 86 degrees. It's sub-90, so it's a nice, cool day. Uh, and it's a dry heat. <laughs> if I hear that one more time. <laughs> Actually, right now, it's a bit dewy outside. Bit of fog. Well, this is very Bay Area. Yeah. So I think uh, we'll probably get going, you know, allow just a little bit of silence as we get going. But once I feel like I've hit my stride and it looks like Rowan has as well, Quinn will just say, so did you get any sleep? I did, actually. More than I expected. Did some thinking, some breathing, some meditating, all that fun, happy crappy, and it helped. Ah, yes, the breathing exercises. Well, I don't put a whole lot of faith in the woo-woo side of it, but it does help me listen to my heartbeat and be like, okay, that was awful, but I made it through, and I'm going to keep making it through out of sheer spite, if nothing else. <laughs> and she, uh, she chuckles a bit because, you know, at the end of the day, with her patience, she'll get to the point of whatever you find that works, <laughs> that's what I'm going to prescribe. Uh, how about you? Did you, get, did you get any sleep? I did. Again, I think the benefit of uh, still being a bit on Eastern time is no matter how much my mind is racing, midnight is still a bit uh, late for me. That's fair. And while, and while we're running, I'm keeping an eye on her just to keep pace with her, but I'm also watching out as we go because we're two women running in a military town. It's, it's instinctive to keep an eye out for uh, safety purposes. Yeah, and I think Quinn will definitely notice that. Always the observant one, aren't you? It's my job, and it's saved my life a couple of times, very literally. You guys head out and you find a place which would be good for a turnaround. Because you guys, uh, about how far are you guys going to run this morning? Like a 5K, three miles? Maybe like a little longer, like five miles. Like five yeah. miles? Okay. Yeah. So you guys make it out a pretty good distance. You've mapped it out on your phones to kind of get an idea of where to go and a good turnaround point. When you get to, you know, the turnaround point to start running back to the hotel, you get an odd alert on your phone, an emergency alert. And actually, everybody's cell phones get the alert, especially if their GPS is turned on. It says dust storm incoming to Yuma. Son of a bitch. Does it have an approximate time of arrival? I, I don't know how dust storm alerts work. Five to 15 minutes. I'll, I'll look at Quinn, but race you back. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So you guys pick up and kind of stress to get there. And you see the dust storm coming from the south. It's just this giant wall of brown dirt and cloud just moving in. If you thought the CGI and the mummy with the guys with the mummy's face coming out was fiction, you quickly realize how wrong that is. That is real, and it's moving fast. Do we see any place we can duck into? You see a Starbucks. Wonderful. Rowan is, is a little bit winded at this point, so not even going to say anything, just point. Yeah, even Quinn, who, you know, runs triathlons, she wasn't necessarily expecting to have to kind of sprint. So she all she does is just nod and head that way as well. Duck into the Starbucks, hold the door open for Quinn and shut it and lean against it. 
the barista kind of gives a giggle and <laughs> looks at you. First dust storm, huh? Yep, not my usual uh, sort of environment. Hi. <laughs> the two lads that are back at the hotel. The alarm goes off. It's a siren-like alarm on your phones. Rooster, you bolt upright. You didn't get great sleep. This is a new noise that you've really not heard on your phone. Because Southern California doesn't get those except maybe for Amber Alerts. Or not Southern California, Northern California. My bad. Or Central California. California. <laughs> Guns out. Because it was under the pillow. River, I would like you to roll a 1d6 because you are awoken at about 6 o'clock. Two. Two. You suffer two willpower damage as that alarm sets you, like, wakes you up, like, bolt near straight up because it's a new noise. What the? You look at the phone and it, it says dust storm incoming and has a, you know, a red triangle on it. Dust storm? They put out a phone alert for a dust storm? Seriously? Gonna look outside? Yeah. Visibility's about four feet, five feet. Everything has a brown-yellow haze to it, and the sun is up, and it's still too early. Wow, this is almost as bad as the wildfires. Yeah, not as bad. <laughs> but still an eerie feeling. So, it passes in quick time. It doesn't take long, but everything is covered in a thin layer of dust thereafter, making you all realize that you're just but specks on this blue marble that's hurtling through space. And some of this might be man-made, but either way, we have to deal with it. I presume Quinn and Rowan are gathering uh, coffee and provisions and kind of maybe walking back? I, I want to finish the run, if, if the air isn't too awful. Um, after the, the dust storm, the air is not too bad. I would rather finish the run back because my, my muscles are like, give us more, Seymour, feed us. <laughs> but stop in at the Starbucks in the hotel lobby and gather provisions there. Sounds good. At least for me. I don't know about Quinn. Yeah, Quinn is more a green tea drinker and she, ha she has packed her own. So she's going to head back up to her room, you know, get ready for the day, brew her tea. And she's going to do some research this morning now that she's had her sleep. How to run is a little bit more mentally alert. Okay. Yeah. Give her a fist bump as we as we part company and be like, you're a good running partner. We should do this more often. Yeah. And here's to a first surprise dust storm. Phew. Here's hoping we don't run into too many more. And I'll tip my coffee to her. <laughs> what time is it at this point? Six. Six thirty. All right. I figure at this point, Rooster's going to actually come out of his room probably just in time to see this. Okay. Yeah, and, and since River's awake, he's going to go down to the Starbucks and get some coffee and uh, some bran muffins or something. How does River do with navigating with the crutches? Mm, what floor are we on? Four. Did you roll for that? Alpha, beta, gamma, delta. Did you see the elevator? Okay. But no, I mean, how did you... Uh, has he used uh, crutches in the past? Is he an old pro, or is it still kind of like you open up the door that closes on you and you're kind of struggling to get out of the door? I think he's active enough. He's probably used them before. Okay. Yeah, you, you, you know, work your way on down. Not his first sprained ankle. Um, <laughs> you come out and, and you see that Rooster's kind of coming out at the same time. There's a bit of ser uh, not serendipity. Yeah, serendipity, coincidence. You know, clue by four. Everybody kind of arrives there in the hallway at the same moment. Two going in, two going out. I'm going to look around, go, this is way too cliche, and go back in. Yeah, fair enough. Morning, River. Hi, Brewster. It's like we all got the same alarm on our phones. Almost. That storm was wicked. We were, we were out there when it was coming in. 
You you worried? Are you okay? We're fine. We we found a Starbucks to to hide in until it passed and then came back. I'll go ahead and come back out and go. Damn it! I forgot. There's no workout equipment in there. <laughs> they don't usually stock that in the in the in the hotel rooms. You, you no. Fine, whatever. This is serendipitous and cute, and we're all in the hallway. They got a workout room on the first floor, you know. Why do you think I'm in gym shorts and a tank top? Because that's what you usually wear? Not gym shorts. By the way, don't fuck with those things. The Israelis call them a humsin. They're nasty. And I'm going to go away and go downstairs. Enjoy your workout. So you guys do your morning constitutional. Quinn, what is it that you are going to research? What were you going to look up? She is desperately trying to see if she can understand anything more about the victims. So she's going to take the social media, the typical channels, and try to look each of them up. Are they on there? Is their profile public? And if so, has anyone commented, you know, commonly on their posts? Are there any common friends? What are they posting about? It's almost frustrating to her that she doesn't know anything about, she hasn't been able to get that much information about what these people were like and who they might be connected to. Okay. Give me a U-Mint roll to see what you could find on social media. Normally I would call for a computer science roll, but I think oh, this- man. Because we're- <laughs> Oh, no. That's a fail. 67. <laughs> Ooh, out of? 60. All right. Let's see if you do find anything. You find the the young woman named Sierra. Uh, you find her profile. And it looks as though that she had just graduated high school earlier this month. She graduated from a home studies program. She's ahead of schedule because normally the Yuma High School would graduate around July. The high school's name, their mascot, are the felons. And that says all you need to know about uh, Yuma. Wait, what did you mean by a home studies program? She did a program from home, like a homeschooling for the, the her final year. Got it. And seeing that she was homeschooled for that last year... Oh, but this is the young woman who had a baby, right? Yes, she had a baby. Okay. So that explains a little bit of why she might have been homeschooled. But she's also just been wondering, again, because according to the police, they didn't really have any other connections in town, which for her seems weird. And she did notice that... Shangri-La sign. And so she just wants to do a little research. I mean, she is obviously familiar with Shangri-La, this utopian place in literature, but is known for being like isolated from the world. And so she just wants to see if there's any chatter on the internet. Is there like a modern day movement of people trying to isolate themselves from the rest of society connected to Shangri-La? And is that what this family was trying to do? So you do find that there are quite a few organizations that are kind of break away and be self-sufficient, especially since when the pandemic hit, you know, even though it was taken care of in our universe, taken care of pretty quickly, there were still quite a few people that had taken on an isolationist type of view and protect themselves. You see a few comments about Shangri-La, nothing really here in Yuma. You actually see a small group in Sedona that, you know, call for Shangri-La and pod living and, you know, small groups, but not here in Yuma. It seems as though that it was a, it might just be a hope for the father. You know, he had recently just sold his business and made a good amount of money, according to the police. Yeah. She, you know, and at that, she kind of shakes her head that she even let herself imagine kind of 
this conspiracy <laughs> theory with this family. I think that the last thing she wants to look up, because she kind of kicks herself that she didn't take the time to look this up before she even arrived, since she did get her brief before she arrived. In the brief, it mentioned how, you know, this original esoteric order of Dagon, they were devoted to a West Semitic god of fertility. And so she just wants to just do some research to, if she can get the specific name of the god and just read a little bit more of the lore of that god and try to see if there's any connections with some of the imagery we've been seeing. Okay, go ahead, give me a history roll. Let's see if we can get you, if you fail, you get a check mark. If you don't fail. That's true. Yeah, that was a failure. 58 out of 30. Okay. Without needing the role, you find that the god's name is Dagon. Like, Dagon is the name of the deity itself. She's, like, had a pretty frustrating research session, and she just kind of slouches in her chair and thinks, maybe I should switch to coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, come to the cult of coffee. Come to the dark side. Leave, Leave the green tea alone. One other thing that you did see about on Sierra's social media, she has been applying to colleges for really the past two months on a weekly basis is sent out another application to a school, sent out another application to the school. Hopefully I get in, hopefully I get in. And it seems like there's like three or four that she sends a week for the last two months. And on her social media, did she mention which colleges? A lot of the local ones, NAU, San Diego State University, ASU, University of Arizona. Got it. You see a picture of her and her fiance. You know, he's a tall, strapping, young Marine. He's got a blonde, high and tight, good looking fellow. He seems a bit of a meathead, but kind of a lovable meathead almost. And when she was speaking about like applying for colleges, did she indicate anything that she would focus on studies wise? She did not at the moment. She didn't, you didn't see anything there. Okay. At least not in those posts. Yeah, she makes a note, you know, the one thing she'll know about those colleges is they weren't necessarily all in town, so she was willing to get away from her family, but they also weren't too far. She tries to comfort herself. Oh, okay, that tells me a little bit about her. Yeah, it seems as though, especially with the pictures that you saw in the house, it seems as though the family was family-oriented. Grandmother was in the house as well. You know, actually, great-grand was in the house because Grace is the grandmother of Sierra and then would be the great-grandmother of Beth, so... So yeah, it is a, it was a strong family or seemed like a strong family household. So Quinn's going to wrap up her um, research and take out her phone and, and text Sammy back. Just, oh, thank you. Wish I could see you. Can't wait to be back and see you again. Um, you get a response back about prepping for an upcoming test prep program before the end of school. And Quinn just shakes her head. Wow. They start that testing young these days. She knows her sister kind of pushes Sammy to be a bit of an overachiever. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of happened, but it's not horrible, though. This is your second night here, right? Yes. Your third day? Yeah. Okay, so it's June 9th. Why am I feeling like the date is important based on that? No, it's uh, it's June 8th. June 8th? Yeah, because we, 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 we arrived on the 6th, stayed the night, woke up on the 7th. This was our second night, so it's the 8th. Okay. All right, good. A lot of stuff's happened in two days. We do that. (laughs) And yet I feel like the amount of or the number of leads we've got is going to take us forever. That's okay. We're not in a rush. It all doesn't need to be done in two days, three days, four days. 
The player raises a dubious eyebrow at that. <laughs> I've got to be in Palm Springs on Saturday. <laughs> As usual. Is that what you think? All right, so yeah, I, I, I went back into my room, showered, and basically getting ready for the day, getting the place set back up for everyone to come in, probably at about nine-ish or so. Although I'll leave the door propped open a little bit once I'm presentable, so people can come in when they're, when they're ready. How kind of you. And it says here June 8th is a Tuesday. Yep, that is correct. It is a Tuesday. Right here. It is time for everybody to convene back in Rowan's room to uh, conference up, coffee and food in hand. What's the plan? What are we doing? What are we sharing? I ended up staying up way too long last night, but it was very useful. Almost everything in that first text message I got, I think I can explain now. And I'll really? go, I'll go through what I found out. Did you want to share it, or do we want to say it's kind of like the Wookiee rule? Everybody heard what I told you earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just going to say I'm repeating. I'm briefing them on what I found. I'm not going to repeat it. Okay. That's fair. There was a lot. So they were treating people with TB, but the text said was never TB. Yeah. And those dates seem to coincide with important dates in the Annex history. Yeah, and they brought in prisoners from somewhere. And the only one of those we know about is this uh, Albert Marsh. Mm-hmm. Well, if Peter Delgado is still here in Yuma, he needs to be fairly top of our list to talk to, see if he remembers anything about what happened in the Annex, about if there was anything about 197. Maybe that was... Wouldn't it be coincidental if that turned out to be Albert Marsh? Maybe too coincidental to be coincidence with a big wink. Are you stealing my catchphrase, Rooster? No, I'm not stealing it. I'm just trying to say it before you do. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah, that's kind of stealing it. Not if I don't use it to anybody else, only to her. He can borrow it. It's fine. Let's see. What else is interesting in there? So, why, why... Yeah, why, why, I, I, that's... Yuma Yuck a lot, too. That's the location of the naval annex. Equals black site. Yeah. 197 gone, but not. Yeah, that's the only part that's still unknown. Unexplained. The other thing I found was just on a whim, I, I looked up, you know, sightings of weird stuff on, you know, those conspiracy websites. I know they're, they're crazy, but, you know, if something unnatural did show up, you know, it would probably be reported there, right? And they're talking about chupacabra attacks in the town of Mustang. And one of them gave a description of the building, but I'm pretty sure it's medical out annex again. And they mentioned the graffiti and the comment came back about, don't throw bombs at the murals. Don't throw bombs, what? Graffiti lingo, bombing is someone putting up a tag or another piece of art over another piece of art. Yeah, the player knows that. <laughs> Which, to be fair, is not something that River would know because why would he? Fair. Mm. Uh, fair enough. Maybe he does. I don't know. What's Katie into? It's something that Javier might have mentioned. Not that he's in a gang or anything. Or honestly, EPA sites and dams are often great canvases for, you know, graffiti artists and punks that just want to throw up bad graffiti. But you can also find some very pretty graffiti up on dams and, and those type of sites. So you might have seen quite a, quite a bit. In I've certainly seen plenty of graffiti. 
Also, you know, keeps an eye open for like grant gang related stuff because, you know, it's off off in the middle of nowhere and your criminology is pretty high. So, yeah. So everyone who's, who goes out to that site knows that that mural is special, even if they don't know necessarily what it's about. And if they do know what it's about, well, then it's even more special to them, isn't it? I mean, everyone that goes out to that site is probably not that many people. I mean, we, the local kids, maybe some homeless, and the people we're interested in. Mustang came up in my research as well, so it sounds like Mustang is a point of interest. I ran the video that we got from the nanny cam through uh, facial recognition software. It didn't pop her social media presence, but it did pop a picture of her and a fellow named Eric Allen Raven, and I got his address in Mustang. Wait, what was the name again? Eric Allen Raven. Wasn't that a... Okay, I know I flunked high school English, but wasn't there a poem about that or something? Like, Edgar Allan Poe's Raven? Was that the Never Again one? Nevermore, yes. So you're saying it's not related? I mean, it might be. Maybe this is what the this person calls themselves because they like the, the poem. I've heard of Stranger Things. Well, you got that picture up. Yeah, and I'll pull the picture up on the social media and show them, here's the young lady, still don't know her name, but here's the fellow Eric Allen Raven that's in a picture with her. I don't know if they're related, if they're a couple. They claim to be about 25. I call bullshit. They're clearly teenagers. And uh, I think seeing the picture, you know, seeing how young they are, remembering also like the teenagers that were watching us. And with her research on the family, it kind of clicks. That's the girl. Wait, sorry, what? That girl was, was watching you. Okay, yeah, so she'll probably recognize that, but I think she already had that suspicion. But she also, what clicks to her is, Sierra just graduated high school recently. I'd be very curious to track down some yearbooks from that high school and see if they were classmates. That's a good idea. So, it sounds like we need to take another trip out to Mustang. Fantastic. What high school did Sierra go to? Uh, Yuma. Okay. So, before we head out there, I ran into an old friend from Afghanistan last night in the hospital. Small world. Small core, maybe? I don't know. A very small world within the small world. Coincidence and all that. Sure, let's go with that. If you're going to steal my catchphrase, at least say it right. Coinky dinks and shit. There you go. Much better. There we go. Okay, I'm using that one now. <laughs> so anyway, look, Ortega, she's apparently playing video games for a living with these drones. So I texted her last night and the uh, Private Ryan was in her squad. Oh, She's on the base. I know where she's stationed, what she does during the day. She also told me that this uh, Sodi guy or girl that we're supposed to meet up with, I don't know, all you told me was Sergeant, is a uh, badass. I know we were talking about the base, but might be a good place to start. I did tell Ortega that we'd be there today, but this wouldn't be the first time I blow I'm blowing her off. Not asking. No, no, no. I said that I was blowing her off, not her. Never mind. Nope. Nope. Quinn's eyes just get wide. <laughs> hey, man, your personal life is your own business. 
Exactly true. As long as she's not inclined to throw things at you when you walk in the door. No, that's you. Because then we do kind of have to know. Not anymore. Fair enough. I think that the Marine base is going to be a good place to start. We will want to check in with our friendly anyway, and it sounds like we can get more information on Private Ryan from uh, your, your Afghanistan buddy. All right, well, things are up and running there by now. It's already late in the morning. So if we're going there, though, I'm going to need like 15 minutes. Timer's going. I walk out. About 20 minutes later, I walk in wearing a suit. Rowan's eyebrows disappear into our hairline. <laughs> Sorry, do we do we know you? Not complete suit, more like khakis and a blazer, but an actual button shirt that's up to the almost top button, that second one that might as well not exist on the player's shirts. And that five extra minutes was probably spent on an iron in the room. And the shoes aren't the usual hiking boots, it's actual loafers. One thing you do notice is that the crease lines are perfect on the iron job. The iron job is impeccable. And the shoes, the nice shoes that he's wearing, you could nearly see a reflection in the shine. Some of that old training of dress blues kind of came back. Damn, Rooster, you clean up well. Yes, ma'am. Let's move. I would say, because I don't remember if we said it last session, that on our way back, I would have wanted to stop off at Walmart and get a couple flats of water and, a, and about a flat of Gatorade, just because... And a windshield cover. It's on my yes. shopping list, because that's why I do. If we're shopping, I'm, I want to get some index cards and, and a green marker. I have a bad feeling about this. So do I. I'm intrigued. Let's go with it. But yeah, there would have been a really quick shopping trip just to grab the essentials, including another flat of energy drinks. Good. She's learning. So, you guys gather and you guys are heading to the base. Um, Rooster's driving, huh? Mm-hmm. Everybody's tagging along for the trip. We do have two vehicles, but I A, I want to find out what they know about Ryan, and B, I am deeply intrigued to watch Rooster in his in his native environment. Also, one of the vehicles is a U-Haul van that truck. has <laughs> Oh shit, did I say truck? I had thought I You said truck. You said truck. So it's a U-Haul pickup truck with all the stuff in the back, kind of covered over. Damn it, I thought I'd said van. All right. Well, it's still got the, like, Erie Canal flat boat pasted on the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Quinn is just, you know, relieved to find at least, I mean, this is sad to say, at least one of the victims had some type of connection. Uh, so she's very much interested in talking to somebody who knew one of the victims. There's a short line to get into the airbase. The initial gate has these fabric sails as awnings that go over it that kind of flap in the wind. It has a bit of a almost modern art feel to this base. There is not a large fence with razor wire. It's pretty open to a lot of folks, and it does share space with the Yuma Airport as well. You arrive at the gate, the, the Marine there you know, looks at you, you roll down the window. He's got a, a, a notepad with him and uh, like an iPad type notepad. I just kind of look at Rowan and go, badge time. Yeah, and I, I already have my FBI badge in my hand. Pass it over to him. He looks out and goes, oh, all right. Need directions? We are heading to building Redacted, if, if we could get uh, directions to that. Sure. And also wherever it was that she said Sodi would be. Sodi's in, is in one of the supply buildings. Okay. Okay. I think we'll want to check in with Ortega first, and then Ortega can direct us to the supply area. But getting directions. Yeah. He gives you directions on how to get there. The base itself is not very large. 
But, you know, it is almost a labyrinthine of different types of small streets and alleyways and buildings. And you get pretty decent directions. Um, he takes down Agent Rowan's information, clocks that you're in, and uh, says that the base is closed for visitors at 8 p.m. unless you have a pass from the CO of the base. You can get it updated uh, electronically. We're moving into the 21st century. Always takes a while, doesn't it? Yep, but we'll get there. Have a good day. Same to you. He looks at you and kind of smiles and uh, you drive off. You drive to the building because you're going to head to Ortega first, yes? Uh Yeah. So you head to the, the building that Ortega marked. There is visitor parking. You hop out. There is a like a buzz in code that's there and like an intercom button. All right. I'll walk up, put up to the uh, button, and then go, glasses, you should do this. Official and all. All right. If she is your friend, are you sure? Yeah, uh, who's there? Looking for Ortega. Who's this? Tell her hot dog's here. A few moments later, you hear click at the door. Cock my head. It was entirely too long for the people who had to stand outside. (laughs) (laughs) Pull the door open. You see that she's walking. She's dressed in desert camo. She's walking down the hallway. She's an average height woman. Brown hair pulled back, kind of severe. You know, hair off the shoulders. And she looks over and she's like, hot dog. Glad you can make it. Wow. Looking fancy. Well, no duty uniform anymore. Understood. Who's the civvies? Glasses over there. That's uh, Agent Redacted. And then Doctor Redacted and Doctor the Other Redacted. She extends her hand and shakes, shakes all of your hands with a firm shake. Come on, let's uh, let's get someplace a little bit more more comfortable. Somewhere with AC, I hope. Oh, this whole place has got AC. We worship the patron saint of Kara. You're here. Beats the sandbox. Let's go. She takes to a conference room. This conference room is actually filled with it looks like ammo cases and pretty much everything you could find. Like this is spare room that they put stuff in, but there is a conference table here. This is clearly not officer type offices. Um, these are enlisted folks. The walls are drab and there's some marine propaganda up on the wall as well as some paperwork that civilians really necessarily shouldn't see, but nothing too confidential. I'm going to kind of look around and go, so they got you in supply now? I thought you were playing games. My office is here. You got an office? Yeah, everybody gets an office. Even the riflemen get office. Granted, they all share an office and most of them kind of just sit around playing video games most of the day when they're not out doing training. But I have to actually study and learn about new drones. There's some neat things, you know? Well, if you hadn't gotten knocked down, you wouldn't be studying. You'd be kicking those riflemen's balls. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that, okay? Anyway, this is Ortega. Hi, and you know what? That colonel deserved it. Oh shit, you finally gave it to him? Yeah, it was a hell of a pay grade drop, but it was worth it. Worth every minute, plus the time in the infirmary. Please tell me you got rid of that fucking tooth, at least, when you decked him. Uh, he has a medical discharge. And I just kind of, like, little fist pump. Yeah, touch me the wrong way. And then she stops, and and she kind of looks ahead, she's like, So, you're here on business, right? Yes, we understand that you were in Private Ryan's... I'm sorry, I don't know military words. I'm FBI. Squad. (laughs) Squad, thank you. She nods. What can you tell us about him? Young guy, gung-ho, high speed. uh, Came in pretty quick. Uh, He did his boot at Paris Island. You know, he came across, so he was an East Coast boy. We spent some time in Iraq. We spent some time in Afghanistan. Uh, We got back here, so he had two tours. He had some time under his belt. I don't think he was going to be a career guy, but um, he he had a kid on the way. Nice guy. How old was he? <laughs> he turned 21. Whew, that was an event. How, how bad was the hangover? 
Oh, it's a good thing we had a we had a week off. Was it actually a hangover? Or did you wake up drunk again? Are we not talking about this one either? You know what? What happens in Mexico generally stays in Mexico. Yeah, okay. Say no more. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that actually gets a very genuine laugh from Rowan over that. Did you get to know his fiance's family at all? Yeah, um, Sierra. She was a good, she was a good gal. Good for him. Like I said, he was he was really high speed, so he was kind of high strung, kind of ambitious, and she was a little bit more laid back. She grounded him. Definitely helped because he had some, you know, after coming back from uh, the from over there, some things come back with you. She helped him take care of things. Do you know what she was planning to go to college for? Uh, she wanted to do criminal justice, kind of like all the kids want to do. But yeah. Well, sometimes yeah. those kids turn out to actually do it. I guess going to that particular high school might uh, get them interested in the field. Seriously, whose idea was that? You'd think somebody up the chain would have vetoed that. Welcome to Arizona, the Wild West. All right. Do you know if Private Ryan was involved in anything odd? Uh, any, like, I don't know, extracurricular groups that he might have gotten involved with? She looks around. No, no. And then she puts her fingers to her lips like she's about to take a smoke, but she doesn't say anything about that. Hey, show Sergeant Ortega that Facebook picture. Sure. I'll pull it up. Were these two people that he knew that he hung out with? Eric, Alan, Raven, fellow, and the, and the girl? She's like, no, they really don't seem like his style. They don't like, seem like Sierra's style. Eric Allen uh, has long black hair, kind of looks a little bit like a goth kid, and the gal is dressed in like overalls, and she's got a you know metal band T-shirt underneath. That wasn't really Sierra's scene or his. I don't, I don't think so. She looks at the picture. She looks at you. Oh, are are those them? Do we know where they're at? The girl, at least, possibly. Not sure about him. Possibly. Not time yet. Her eyes get hard at that. And Rowan just nods a little bit and says what he said when it's time. Not time yet. We'll let you know. Okay. Can I see that again? I just want to look at it. And she's just looking at it. It's a first lead. Seriously. You know I tell you. Okay. No, no. I just want to see them. And she, she looks at it kind of long and hard for a few minutes. Quinn, you see that she's got this point of resolve in her face. You've seen this with, you know, families seeing their abusers, and you can kind of get a sense of where she's at. She hands back the phone and takes a few deep breaths. What else can I do? What can we do? This is going to sound really stupid. <laughs> Coming from you? And she, you see that she kind of breaks and her face is face relaxed. She's like, go ahead. For once, Rooster's not smiling. No. Seriously, even for me, but it could be important. He into anything having to do with the ocean or water or mermaids or Massachusetts. No, um, Massachusetts? Yeah. Yeah, actually, hang on. Give me a, give me a moment. Yeah, take your time. She gets up. She's like, uh, hang on here. Uh, anybody want water? And she leaves before everybody answers. Yeah, I hold up a water bottle at her back and just like learned my lesson yesterday. She's gone for a little bit and she comes back with a, uh, you know, yellow manila folder. She opens it up and she's looking at it. Yeah. His parents, his dad's from Arkham and his mom is from, uh, what's this, Innsmouth? He grew up in, in Eastern Mass. River, you do it this time. 
I'm not going to do it in front of a stranger. She looks at she looks at at, at Rooster. Who? Okay. And I'm just going to deadpan look at her, do the hand thing, and go mermaids. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Laura Domingo, and I play Quinn. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the Handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 2 is based on the scenario Ex Oblivioni by Dennis Detweiler. If you like our story, there are many ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Victor Von B., Stephen Schwartz, Director Arayo, Jonathan Powell, and Ben Warner. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all the usual social media sites. The Redacted Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Join us next week, because outside the bounds of reality lurk entities with names unpronounceable by the human tongue, creatures of hunger and rage that would like nothing more than to devour our insignificant universe.